Hello everyone and welcome back to the Mummy Means Business podcast. Um, I'm so excited that I've had, you know, 10 amazing women interviewed this series and this episode is actually the last episode. Um, It's been great speaking to all these different mums and it's been amazing for them to actually share their insight into how they manage their time between motherhood and work, their motherhood journey as a whole, um, and even giving us some tips on how, you know, you can start a business um, or you can, you know, start saving financial tips as well. So I'm really, really grateful for all the women who've taken their time to uh, be interviewed. And I'm grateful for all of you for listening as well. Um, as today is our last episode of the series, I thought it'd be great to end of a bang. So I have a special guest with me. Her name is Fudia. Um, Fudia is a mum. She's a lawyer, a public speaker, and just an all-round boss. Um, I met Fudia um, at one of the mummy and baby groups that I used to go to um, when Xavier was little. And we bonded. Um, and she's just been, even speaking to her for the short time I've known her, she just had such wise words she's very articulate very intelligent so I thought oh I need to have her and obviously I started stalking you on LinkedIn for dear <laughs> I don't know if you've seen oh this person has been viewing your profile because everything you post I'm like oh this is really interesting even today you posted um about um the woman who was speaking oh about something about the point Samira yes. Ahmed that BBC lady yeah saying that she's paying less about um, basically the pay gap between men and women. Um, and actually, that's something that we were even speaking to speaking about yesterday. So anyways, it's been great having... Um, I'm, I'm really excited to have you today and thank you so much for your time. <laughs> thank you. Well, thank you for having me. Of course. Um, so before we kind of jump straight into the whole work um, side of your life, how has motherhood been for you? Like, do you think now, you know, being a mum, do you think that you're the mum that you thought you would be before you had kids? I think for me, motherhood is this great learning curve. And I know you're probably too young to remember this TV show, but there was a, a TV show called The Real World. It was like one of the first like reality TV shows. On yeah, I used to watch it back in, and I, should, I shouldn't have watched it at my age, but I did. <laughs> well, they had a tagline saying, you think you know, but you have no idea. And I think that perfectly sums up motherhood. So I had a lot of ideas about what motherhood and being a mother meant. Um, but in practice, I didn't, you know, it's a very different thing. You know, the sleep deprivation. I know that you're blessed that your son's quite a good sleeper, but my daughter is not the greatest sleeper. And the exhaustion, I mean, for example, I thought that, I wouldn't let her like, you know, she still sometimes uses my boobs for comfort. And I had very strong views beforehand about how long I was going to breastfeed for or not. But then when you're just so tired and you want to sleep, you're like, give her anything. Give her McDonald's, give her whatever yep. will make her sleep. So I think that is the reality and the theory are a very, very stark contrast. Uh, there is a very big and stark contrast when you have your own children. Um, and also, and for me, I think the biggest thing is it's easy to have all these views when you can hand them back and you're rested. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you're not rested and it's, you know, 365 days a year, that's when, for example, I'm just for the last four weeks been back at work and it's been a lot. You know, my daughter's been ill quite a few times due to starting nursery and I truly didn't understand beforehand that being a mother and working, you're doing two distinct jobs at yeah. the same time. Kind of and as much ready. as you love your child, 
I definitely think it takes a while to adjust to that. It's it's true because even me, um, before I had my son, I did have an idea in my head of the kind of mum I thought I would be. I thought I would be like a really strict parent. Um, like I remember I was telling my friends, yeah, from nine months, I'm going to stop breastfeeding. I'm going to do this and that. Like I really thought I was going to be very militant. But like you said, like once they when they're screaming and, you know, there's nowhere to calm them down. And all you just need to do is just um, breastfeed. But I've stopped recently breastfeeding. And secretly, I regret stopping so early. Oh, really? Only because now it's harder to comfort him. You know, before, if they needed some comfort, you just kind of, you know, breastfeed quickly and then they calm down. Whereas now, I literally have to find, now it's his dummies. We literally have a dummy in every room. (laughs) We have one in our bedroom, one in the kitchen, one in the living room. And sometimes, like, we have, like, five dummies in this house where we end up losing everything. And then when he's screaming, like, me and my husband are scrambling, trying to find the dummy. Um... So yeah, yeah, I definitely do understand that. But do you, did you, do you feel did you when you were um obviously before you had children did you feel any pressures as well from like families and friends to have kids quickly? Because even me when I first got married, I think we were only married for like four months, and my mom was already like, yeah, wow. She, she was even asking me, why did you get married if you're not gonna have a child straight away? <laughs> I mean, I think definitely. I mean, I'm of African origin, so is my husband, and there is a real desire for for, for the next generation. Um, for us, it was a struggle to have our daughter. And so I think everyone got to a point where they were like, OK, just pray for you that you have your child. But even putting that aside, everyone who knows me has always known that I've been very, very clear about the things I want to achieve. I think if I was a, if I if I were a superhero, my, my superhuman skill would be drive and determination. Like if I want something, I'm prepared to to do what's necessary to get there and get what I want and that puts a lot of pressure on um you know life I mean I feel that everything happens for a reason as a person of faith I definitely strongly believe that and if I'd had children earlier and I'm hoping to have more children if I had children earlier I wouldn't have been able to achieve as much in my career as I have been able to um and some people may disagree with that. I believe you can have everything, but not at the same time. Yeah, I do completely agree. I do think, I think you can do everything, but you have to really, to do it well, you have to do it one at a time. It's too hard otherwise. Because even now, as I mentioned to you before we started this, you know, I've been back at work for four weeks. My daughter has had some type of illness every week since going back. And the level of attention, I mean, I'm a lawyer and I have to, to, to do a lot of business development work. So going for coffees, lunches, going to seminars, giving seminars, etc. And a lot of those are either breakfast meetings or they're in the evening. Now, as a parent, I'm always having to weigh up. You know, I don't really want to miss morning times with my daughter. I don't want to really miss bedtime either. And so there's that constant conflict between wanting to go for things in your job to wanting to be there and be an active participant in your child's life. But then how, how do you, you know, like, you know, before you had um, your daughter, before you had children, um, how did you get into that career in law? Is that something that you've kind of always aspired to do? 
or is this something kind of you, you fell into it actually you could you can't really fall into law you really have to study don't you yeah I mean it's a good question because in a way um I was a generalist so I was I liked language I liked English I liked history I liked the kind of social sciences and you know I did my A-levels and I talked about doing law beforehand but when I came to, to choosing my de- where to do my degree, etc., became really interested in things like marketing or politics um, or studying English literature. And one of the things that my parents were saying to me is, where's the career progression with, with these things? Now, with law, it's got a clear career path, whether you want to follow it or not. But, you know, you do a law degree, you do the um, whether you decide to do a course, become a solicitor or a barrister, then you try and find work basically experience in a law firm or chambers and you qualify etc and because I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do my parents and obviously you know African parents love it lawyers yeah yeah I bet they're so proud of you when you became a lawyer going around my daughter is a lawyer (laughs) she's done well yeah saying um why don't you do law see how you find it and if you decide to change it you've always got a firm degree a firm background to rely upon um and then I, I was doing that and I wasn't really sure what kind of law I wanted to do and then I did an employment elective uh, when I was doing decided to become a solicitor and it felt like home it's just it's an area that I think is incredibly interesting because it affects most people most people are in a job or even if they're self-employed they have you know and in some kind of employment relationship where they're working for, working with or for someone. And so, it, you know, I'm very popular at parties and events <laughs> who are like, actually, I'm having this problem at work, blah, 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 blah. So I like the fact that it's something that I'm passionate about, but I, I actually feel that I can help people. Because there are other areas of law where, which are far more financially rewarding, but like being a corporate lawyer, and I did a, a few seats in that, it just didn't appeal to me because I didn't see how I was helping the individual in the way that I am as an employment lawyer, whether I'm acting for a company or an individual, there's still a person that is relying on your advice. And so to me, it was, I kind of fell into employment law, but I followed the breadcrumbs about becoming a lawyer, always with one mind saying, maybe I want to do something else. And then actually found that I really enjoy what I do, but the kind of, the part of me that likes writing or, or speaking can also be satisfied by the yeah. stuff that I do as because I write a lot about employment issues or diversity issues um, and the empathy skills that I feel lawyers are not renowned for having is an area that I feel I'm quite strong in and that's why I've kind of moved some of my career to being about coaching. Yeah I saw that you're um, you also do public speaking and you coach as well like tell me more about that. So with the public speaking is, um, you know, my parents would say I've always loved the sound of my own voice. <laughs> Sounds like me. <laughs> I'm the same. You know, if, if some people it's like pulling teeth and they can't stand it. And other people, it's an enjoyable thing to do. Um, so for me, that's how I felt about it. You know, that it, it just felt natural and, and a comfortable speaking to people about issues that I nerdily find very exciting so for example uh, I think we mentioned it before we started recording about that case with the BBC and the equal pay claims 
going on. And at the moment, and that was looking at the gender pay gap, but I'm writing an article at the moment about the ethnic pay gap. And for example, one of the statistics that I found very interesting was that seven um, UK black African um, workers are paid 7.7% less than their white counterparts, even with the same education and occupational characteristics. So even if they've gone got degrees, gone to the right, you know, they're still paid 7.7% less on average. And for me, I think those are topics that we should be talking about and looking at and exploring. Um, See, I love, I love topics like that. I find it so fascinating. And I think, you know, people, people don't, you know, sometimes people kind of see, you know, life at work with a rose tinted view, almost like, oh, everything is fine and dandy and everyone is getting paid the same and everything is fine. Until you kind of look into articles like this and you kind of dig deeper and you realize actually there are some discrimination and there is some you know massive gaps not just between gender but between race like you mentioned and I see and you see that in many workplaces but until you shine a light on it the business won't actually do anything about it because they just get they're almost getting away with it no one because they you know British British people have this culture where you don't discuss your pay you don't discuss how much you get paid or you or money with each other you kind of just keep it to yourself so you'll never know if you're getting paid less or getting paid more than someone else part of the problem with, with for example the ethnic pay gap and the gender pay gap is that sometimes it's not even um overt discrimination so oh because you're a woman because you're an ethnic minority i'm going to pay you less but things like unconscious bias and stereotypes can play a factor so for example in the same statistics they found that Chinese workers are paid more on average than white workers. Uh, you know, the, the stereotype about Asian people being intelligent yeah. is obviously helpful in that scenario. So there's a, it's, it's the problem with the, the reason why I like employment law, the things that I look at is because they're really complex and there's no easy answer. And for some people, they're like, oh, gosh, that's a brain ache. But for me, I think, you know, the more that people talk about it, the more that we'll just naturally start to look at different ways of resolving those issues. So to me, the public speaking kind of naturally came out from the work that I do and then speaking about it. Whereas the coaching is more, I'm really into psychometric tests. I don't know if you've ever done any like Myers-Briggs or... No. There's one that's quite popular called the... It's called by Insight called the Colours and you're either red, yellow, green or blue mm, i might take that test after <laughs> yeah send me the link i became a practitioner in two types of psychometric tests because i think as an employment lawyer that most employment disputes happen because of interpersonal issues so as an example when i was doing the training to be a Myers briggs practitioner we had to talk about our preferences about, about things and a lot of the introverts were saying how exhausting it is being around people who are quite extroverted because as an extrovert would say something and they're thinking about it at the point where they're just about to respond the extrovert has mentioned something else so then they're thinking about what the new thing the extrovert has said and then as they're about to respond to that the extrovert says something else and it really made me think about when I'm working with other people can you know I'm I'm an extrovert and I get excited. So when I'm talking about things, I'm like, oh, this. And, blah, blah, blah. and if someone's quiet, I think maybe that, that, that topic didn't hit the way I thought it was going to hit. 
okay let me pivot and raise something else because I'm trying to I'm trying to find a commonality of that person I'm trying to find something that's interesting to them to talk about but actually for somebody who's of a, of introverted persuasion that could be just like mental overload mm. and it's just one thing you're saying this 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 and they're it's like just, oh my gosh oh. we have to be quiet and it's those things you think about in the workplace a lot of those things are what cause issues because somebody's not respecting your your the way that you work or understanding the way that you work so it's just it's just kind of to help bridge the gap and to help everyone understand each other almost yeah and also to recognize that we're not all cookie cutters yeah so you know particularly because i'm a either i'm a geriatric millennial or i'm a generation x um so i'm at, I'm at that age group and the reason I mentioned that is because there was, a, you know, pre the last five, 10 years, there was an expectation that you had to fit into work. So work was, if work, if everybody was shaped like a square at work, if you wanted to succeed, you have to be shaped like yeah. a square. And I find that younger workers tend to be like, no, I'm a triangle. Yeah. And I don't want to fit in that. And I think that's why so many younger um, people are now self-employed. Yes. Because these issues haven't been addressed. Yeah, definitely. I actually completely agree with that. I think it is that that you you don't especially the the millennial and kind of the new generation, um, they just don't wanna they don't really fit in that mold and they they're a lot more creative with their thinking and they wanna be free to exercise that creativity. So if they don't find that in a specific workplace, they just create their own work environment. But um, obviously you mentioned earlier that um, you with your, with your work and with the lifestyle that you have at work, sometimes you have to do early mornings and late nights. How are you able to manage kind of your time now you've gone back to work in the last four weeks, um, you know, between motherhood, work, and also taking time out for yourself as well? Um. It's funny, I was just listening to a Jim Quick. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He's got a podcast and a YouTube um, account. And um, he was talking about, he had somebody, I think like a Buddhist monk, talking about discipline and willpower. And I strongly believe that you are the habits that you um, follow. So for me, before I even had my daughter, I had the whole routine about the things I would try and achieve in the morning which would be to meditate for 10 minutes, pray, do some exercise, um, listen to a TED talk or watch a TED talk, listen to affirmations, and then read a um, some kind of, I don't know, um, book to either business book or kind of self-help book. I mean, I hate the term self-help, but you know, things about how to manage your time more effectively, financial matters, whatever, something that I thought would be educational. And that sounds like, well, I used to tell my friends that they'd start yawning halfway through the line. Oh my gosh, that just sounds so intense. And how are you doing that? And I was able to maintain a lot of that during maternity leave. And now I'm still doing it. And it requires real discipline, willpower and good habits. And this Buddhist monk was saying is that you can do all of that because you have a passion. You have to have a purpose behind what you do. So for me, it's about using time effectively. So while I'm exercising for 10 minutes, I will listen to a podcast or listen to my affirmations or listen, listen to a TED talk. While I'm in the shower, I'm listening to something because I'm not going to get a, a lot of time to myself now that I have a child. 
um, and it's about being ruthlessly um, efficient. So, you know, before I go to bed at night, I've looked at my diary because I had a horrendous day last Thursday where I missed a ton of meetings because my daughter had been sick and I basically missed a day of life. So I, I thought it was the 23rd, but it was the 24th. Oh, my God. Oh and then no. I was like, no, running around. <laughs> and so now it's maybe even more anal. I have like a paper calendar as well as, you know, my online one. And I and I reread a summary of getting things done, which is like the Bible of productivity. And, you know, I set up on my my computer, like a spreadsheet about what I need to get done. And for a lot of people, this will sound too much. But I think one of the things I've noticed from my friends who've had kids before me is that the ones who seem to be able to do more are those who are incredibly efficient. So packing stuff the night before, knowing what I'm going to wear, you know, making batch meals on a weekend so that, you know, if I go to a meeting late, all that my husband has to do is defrost something. So that, you know, making my daughter's meals, batch cooking them so that, again, whoever picks her up, she can be fed and that just speeds up the process. And I think, although there's a part of me that sometimes misses just the, the carefreeness of, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do today, I don't know what I'm going to wear today, I'll, you know, figure things out during the day. My desire to be able to to be productive and do the things I want to do outweighs that. And so it's about, you know, I watch very little TV. Um, and I realise that because my husband keeps threatening to get rid of the sky. Um, because he's like, well, we've got Netflix, we've got Amazon Prime, you don't even watch the thing. And it's true because if I want to, you know, a lot of the books I've read have said that, you know, the most productive and creative people will read a book a week. Now, I am not one of those, but I try and read a, one or two books a month. Um, and if I'm watching, and most of the times if I'm watching TV, it will be crap like Catfish or whatever that I've seen a billion times. And Just that really background act. noise. Yeah. Exactly. Because, you know, I now see watching series as like a treat to myself. You know, when, when you're sick or you're off, just spend a week um, binging. Because you don't have to watch TV in the old world. You have to be following it religiously. You can just binge watch it. Because I don't, if I want to, you know, I try and write new content for my website at least once a week. And all of that takes time. And so I've got to say what is important to me. What is important to me is spending as much time as possible with my daughter. Finding time to keep me healthy. So physically, mentally, spiritually. And continuing to progress in my career and yet yeah, I've got a finite amount of hours in the day when I wake up to the moment I put my head on on the pillow I need to make sure I've used that time effectively because you know without wanting to sound like all of the self-help gurus time is the one asset we have really no control over and it's the most precious thing um, and so for me I want to try and fit back into all of my clothes summer 2020. So <laughs> putting the effort in and in exercising, even if I can't get to the gym, but just doing 10 minutes a day, is important to me. So I make it a priority. Do you know what? You're right, because um, I find that I'm, I am my best self and I'm a lot happier 
when like every morning I remember when I was at, when I was at work when I was on maternity leave I kind of slacked a little bit but I'm getting back into it now but every morning so every Monday I'll write down a list of everything that I need to do for the week and every day I'll write down a list of everything I need to do for the day and I liked writing it on physical paper even even things like you know praying in the morning making sure I um making sure I do something for my son making sure I check my check on my work Instagram you know updating my website all of that things and I liked ticking things off or crossing things out like I really enjoyed that aspect of it and that's why even on my phone now I started to write it but I have a notebook and I've brought out my notebook and I'm actually going to physically write it but once I tick all of that off for the day and at the end of the week and I realize I've ticked everything for the week I'm so much happier because then I know that I didn't just like wake up at you know 12 mope around for the day and before you know it, it's the end of the day and then I haven't done anything so you know being productive is kind of the way to manage your time because then like you said I, I am able to be the best wife be the best mum, be the best worker um and still provide everything and not feel overwhelmed because I've really you know planned things properly and I'm trying to get back into it now because I've really slacked <laughs> over the last year. I've just been like, just been like a sloth, basically. <laughs> you haven't because, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm sure your listeners will agree with me. You definitely haven't. I mean, when we met on your maternity leave, I was so impressed that you were still doing things whilst, you know, you know, if you had to bring your son to meetings, you were doing it. You know, you definitely are the, the opposite of sloth. Um, I just think, you know, we... Particularly, you're still on maternity leave right now. Yeah, so I'm going, well, I have two weeks left. Exactly. And that's a precious time. So for me, I would, I look at September as my birthday month. It's the academic year start. And so I had, when I went back to work, I very much had that attitude of I'm back. You know, I've got, what do I want to achieve this academic year? You know, what do I want to achieve from September onwards? my first year back at work as a working mother. And so you ha- I've, I have found it helps to be more regimented. When I was on maternity leave, yeah, I was still doing bits here and there, but that's the joy of maternity leave. It's to spend time with your child. And once you're back in the grind, you won't have as much time with him, no matter how much you, you, you know, will juggle things for that to be the case. So enjoy it and don't have any guilt about it. Yeah. For me, it's, I know what I want to achieve over the next year. And I one of the mottos I live by is plan your work and work your plan. And that is on the on the big scale. So, you know, I want to have X number of clients paying me this point by this point. And it's also on the micro. So, you know, I'm I make my bed every day and make sure that the dishes are washed before I leave the house and you know, make sure I've bought Eliana, my daughter, her snack before I come home so she can have it in the buggy on the way back to the house. It's like doing these little habits to get the big ticket items. And for me, I found that really, really helpful. But did you feel um, guilty about going back to work? No, I mean, I must admit, I didn't. I was still doing little bits while I was on, like, for example, I qualified in one of these psychometric tests while I was on maternity leave. I did the course. And I think for me, it's because I grew up in a household where my my mother worked full time throughout. And I'm sure my mum would say that she didn't want to, (laughs) but she had to. Um, But I've never felt 
like I, I didn't have a good relationship with my mother because she was working. Yeah. Um, in fact, I feel that it made her a really good role model for my sister and I having, a, you know, my mother who was holding it down as a mum, as a wife, as an employee. You know, my mum studied while she still had us. And in fact, to be honest with you, the only downside of having a mum like that is that you can kind of feel that you're a bit of a loser because, you know, my mum was doing so much without family support. Because obviously yeah. our family was back home. Um, you know, my mum would cook a new meal every evening and do X, Y, Z. And here I am moaning about doing half of the things that she does. But my mum says it was a different era and you do what you have to do when you have to do it. Um, but no, I didn't feel any guilt because... I want my daughter to feel like she has options. And, you know, if she wanted to be, I'm someone who's a proud feminist, and I know for certain crowds that's like a a dirty word. But for me, I am glad that I have my own skills, and I don't think God gave me these skills not to use them. Um, I wouldn't be comfortable being a housewife, and I don't, say that dismissively of people being housewives I just don't think that's my calling and to be honest with you my daughter is enjoying nursery so much it's actually a little bit sickening (laughs) it's a little bit sickening because last week she cried when we picked her up oh no incredibly hurtful you're like how How dare you (laughs) how dare you So, so to me that just goes to show that you know all this angst about you know the nursery we sent her to is amazing um they had african um, musician an african musician come in last week for african history month um from uh, a lovely guy from senegal who was playing um some traditional african instruments they've had a ballet dancer they had owls come in we've got a fire brigade coming next week these are things that you know by Towards the end of my maternity leave, I was struggling to find good things for my daughter to do regularly. Because you go to a class, it's an hour. And then you may sit and you chat with other pet mums or dads and you have some food. And then you're like, okay, got to go. Whereas in nursery, even the the way her nursery is set up, it's got so, so many toys and things for her to play with. And other children. So her development skyrocketed as soon as we started nursery. So she was cruising for many weeks and taking a few tentative steps here and there. But she wasn't really making the breakthrough of walking properly. She was at nursery about three days later, she started walking just confidently. And that's because she wanted to keep up with the other kids. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, for me, I'm blessed with the fact that I am confident and comfortable with the childcare arrangement. The time I have of my daughter is quality as well. Sorry, you going? No, I said I think we're actually kindred spirits because yeah, I feel exactly the same. I do not feel guilty about going back to work at all. Um, I think you know while I was on maternity, I was working anyways. I had um a PR company and I had some clients that I was working with. Um, so it kind of I I wanted to kind of still exercise my brain. I didn't want to, you know, comp- I think especially because with PR things change so quickly and I wanted to keep up with the changes I didn't want it to be like I'm off for a year and all of a sudden there's a new social media platform and I have no idea how to use it um 
and then now I'm going back to my full-time job and I'm really excited and I think it's the same with your daughter and Xavier Xavier loves children he loves other kids like he he loves just being around like he doesn't he likes being around me but not so much like he can happily walk off and go and play with like someone that he's never met and you know enjoy and have that for a few hours so I think nursery is actually gonna be it's gonna benefit him um a lot more than um I thought it would and I think like you said like Eliana's doing I think he's gonna thrive and you see you know when kids are around other kids they want to copy them and they want to do what they're doing because even him like he wasn't walking before and then one of his um my friend's son who um had her son same time as Xavier he was walking so confidently and one day Xavier saw him and then when we got home that day he just got up and just started walking like he just wanted to do what the boy was doing um so yeah I definitely think he's gonna thrive and I, I'm I'm excited as well I don't I'm a feminist as well I really even before I got married I've always been someone who wanted to achieve so many different things I, I wrote I have like a book of my of the achievements that I want to have in the next 10 years like all the in terms of business wise and opportunities that I want to explore and even traveling and you know working in different countries that's all of the, these things I wanted to explore and even before I got married I told my husband I was like yo this is you know this is my plan isn't it so I'm not I'm not I'm happy to have kids but I'm not trying to be a stay-at-home mom you know I really want to work I want to have multiple businesses more I want to have multiple ventures I want to be financially free financially free you know by the time I'm 50 so this is this is where I, this is what I wanted to this is what I want I want to do in order to get to this point and he thank god that the he's has the same mentality and has the same drive as me so we kind of we kind of bounce off each other so yeah and I do believe that you know my mum was a full-time worker as well me and my sister we had quality time with her you know we didn't feel like she wasn't around but she was studying she was um, at school and she always put in us to have your own income like even though it's good to you know be in a marriage and be in a family but have something that that you that you know that you can say that it's yours that you are contributing something towards towards it and it's good for your children as well to see mummy you know is so hard working mummy's smart mummy's teaching me all of these things mummy's doing all of that and not saying that you can't have that you know staying at home because I know many stay-at-home mums that are fantastic and are amazing but I think for me it's just not in my blood it's not in my blood it's not even in my blood to work for somebody like I was meant to be my own boss I think from a young age and I just need to put in the steps to get to that. Um, but yeah, everything you're saying, I was literally nodding my head like, mm, yes, this is me. This is me. <laughs> uh, and all that. I mean, and as you said, I t- totally um, respect people who t- take a different view. And I think that's the beauty of, of, of feminism and diversity. If people want to stay at home and they feel that's what they're called, they're called to do. I think that's great. Um, for me, I think I would go stir crazy and I think it'd make me a, a worse parent because I, I think that I would feel unfulfilled. And I think that's the main thing. I think if the parents are happy, then it will obviously translate to the child being happy. Yeah. But it's been great having you on this podcast. You've been so refreshing. Um, before you go, just one more question. Um, if you had to give an advice to a mum who, you know, wants to 
either get a career in law or wants to be a public speaker or a coach or something similar to what you're doing, um, what advice would you give them? The advice I would give them is to to spend some time really thinking about what, what it is they want. So, you know, if somebody said they wanted to be a lawyer, okay, what type of lawyer? Do you want to be a solicitor? Do you want to be a barrister? Now, you may not know what the difference is. How can you research it? Who can you speak to? What work experiences can you get to try and help you decide what it is that you, which which arm of the profession you want to go into? Um, also, an honest appraisal of yourself, you know, do once you've done the research, is this would this meet the need I have? So, you know, some people want to be a lawyer because they think it sounds good or it, it means that people automatically think you're intelligent. And I can say that I've met many lawyers, myself included, who have very stupid moments. And <laughs> that doesn't mean any anything. And so it's important to be clear on, on what it is you're trying to achieve. And if you've done all of that and say, yes, I still want to do law, then it's really about looking at you know your finances what law school can you get into um if you've done a law degree if you haven't done a law degree you have to do a conversion course weighing up the cost of all of that and breaking it down into bite sizable chunks because anytime you think about any kind of change it can be really daunting so i don't know what age most of your viewers are but if you're at you know a level stage or you know pre-uni stage or even in uni you know use your career service effectively and get advice on what a career in law looks like and if you're somebody who may be looking for a second career there's there are lots of resources available online um i'm trying to think of some that the law society website alone but there are also some kind of like chambers guides for students or people trying to enter into legal profession to get some knowledge and then network one of the things I think women are not so good at and also I think people who might be um, not native to this country or second generation is that they they underestimate the importance of networking and I remember um, and this will really age me but I went to like I think it was the first garage music awards and it was in Alexandra Palace and I was with one of my really good friends and there was a lawyer there, an entertainment lawyer for Soul to Soul and some other artists. And at the time I was thinking I wanted to be a media and entertainment lawyer. My friend basically bullied me to go up to this guy and they said to him, hey, this, my name's Fadir, I'm really, I'm really interested in what you to do, can I have a chat with you? And then I subsequently let, met him, arranged a meeting, coffee, met him, and he gave me some advice. And no, it didn't lead to an immediate job offer, but it taught me a skill, which is don't ask, don't get. Mm. And putting yourself out there and asking people is an invaluable skill. As, as a lawyer, as a partner who has to get work, if I were too shy, I would not, not get any work. I literally sometimes had to be like, you know, if somebody ignores your email, give them the benefit of doubt until somebody says to me, look, I'm not interested. I'm like, okay, cool. And uh, developing that thick skin and that go-getter attitude, whatever profession you want to do, it's never too late to develop that skill. And networking and asking people for help, you'll be surprised who can help you. Help can come in the strangest of places. So I think that would be my advice research weigh up the cost look at the thing do an honest appraisal of yourself whether that's by yourself or with 
family or friends. And then once you, you're certain about the path you want to proceed in, break it down into bite sizable chunks if it's like looking for what law school to go to or work experiences and network, network the hell out of the situation, asking family and friends, setting up a LinkedIn account and seeing who you can speak with. I mean, even look at us. We met on maternity leave. We exchanged details. Now I'm doing your podcast. You know, I might have somebody who has a PR in, um need and I'll be like I know somebody you yeah. might know somebody has an employment need and that is how you you get out there but it requires you know I didn't know you before we went to that baby class but if we hadn't said hello to each other this never would be and yeah that's what I basically mean about kind of being a go-getter and making opportunities happen for yourself definitely and I think it's true if you you know if you don't put yourself out there how will people know what you're doing and how people know what you're about so uh, even me like I'm I'm a, I can put myself out there, but sometimes I can be a bit shy depending on the situation. But I have to, I have to learn to kind of just, especially when you're, especially if you have a business that need clients, mm. uh, you need to be able to just let them know what you, what service you can offer. And you will be surprised where you can find new clients. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for all your amazing advice and your wisdom, Fadia. Um, it's been great having you on board and thank you all for listening and taking time out to listen to this series um like i said this is the last episode of this series and we'll be resuming for series three in 2020 so make sure you subscribe um the podcast is available on all music platforms so like spotify soundcloud apple Podcasts, um and podbean so make sure you subscribe so that you are able to get a notification when we have new episodes coming out but yes Thank you so much. You've been so amazing. Um, And I'm really grateful for your time. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.